We have an anchor that keeps the soul Steadfast and sure while the billows roll Fastened to the rock which cannot move Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love The Anchor of the Soul with Mike Hickson Preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi And now, Mike Hickson On Thursday this past week, a friend of mine asked me He said, how many funerals have you conducted since you've been at Olive Branch? And my response was, I don't know. I don't keep a record. But I said, I know this, too many. Life is a beautiful thing. It is a great blessing to live in a free world, to enjoy good health, to have family, There are so many things that we tend to take for granted. And sometimes, sadly, it takes the loss of a loved one for us to appreciate life. And we all know that life will one day come to an end. And so today in our study, I want us to think for just a moment or two about Revelation chapter 1 because in light of the week that we've had, And this is certainly nothing new to us. But in light of everything that we've experienced over the past few days, I thought it might be good for us to just reflect for a minute or two on Revelation chapter 1, verse 18. And to appreciate the fact that Jesus does indeed hold all the keys when it comes to the cemetery doors. Listen again to what Jesus said in Revelation chapter 1, verse 18. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death. I want to begin by, first of all, talking about the crucified Christ. Jesus acknowledges here that I am he who lives and was dead. A clear reference to the fact that he had been put to death on a cross. And this reminds me of the redemptive power of Jesus. And there are two things that we ought to appreciate about his redemptive power. First has to do with his passion for us. You have to understand, Jesus went to the cross because He loved you. He went to the cross because of His immense love for each and every one of us. No exceptions, no exclusions. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, John said unto Him who loved us. There are a lot of things that we might question in this life. And there are people in our world today, they question whether or not their parents love them. They have questions about whether or not their mate loves them. But you don't have to question the love of God, nor the love of Christ. Jesus himself said, greater love has no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4, Paul talks about the great love of God. He said, 
But God, who is rich in mercy, for the great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins. So I want to encourage you to think about the tremendous love that Christ has for you and the great love that God has for you. I'm reminded not just of his passion for us, but also the fact that he has purchased us. He has made it possible for us to enjoy pardon, forgiveness, Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, again, John said unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins by his own blood. In Revelation chapter 4, John pictures for us the throne room of God. In chapter 5, we have a picture of the throne room of the Lamb. And he said that it was the Lamb who has redeemed us to God by his blood. Did you know that Jesus loved you enough to go to the cross and to shed his blood? He made it possible for all of us to enjoy redemption. To have that quality of life that is described as eternal. Jesus would say in John 10 verse 10, I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. What he's saying there is that in this life you can have an abundant life. A rich life. But then in Titus chapter 1, verse 2, Paul said that we live in hope of life eternal, which God, who cannot lie, promised before the world began. In other words, we have that quality of life defined as eternal, all because of the blood of Jesus. In Ephesians 1, 7, Paul writes, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. And so I think about the redemptive power of Jesus. And then there's a second thing, and that is his regal power. You see, the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is a king. Paul would say in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 15, that he is the king of kings and lord of lords. He is the king over his kingdom. And here's the great part of all of this. When we obey the gospel, when we are baptized into Christ, number one, we contact the blood of Christ. Number two, we become a part of the body of Christ, which is the kingdom of God. We are, as Paul said, delivered out of the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's dear Son. It's in that sphere that he said, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. So you think about all that God has done for us. And Jesus here is saying, look, I am He who lives and was dead. And so you think about the fact that Jesus went to the cross for all of us. In Revelation chapter 1, John said, speaking of Jesus, not only did He love us and wash us, from our sins by his own blood, but he's made us to be a kingdom and priest. So we've been blessed. There's a second thing I want you to see in our study. First, we think about the crucified Christ, and then secondly, the conquering Christ. Listen again to what John said, speaking of what the Lord had said in the long ago. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, Jesus said, I am alive forevermore. Amen.
Here we have a reference to His resurrection. How significant is the resurrection to us? Did you know that there is proof of the resurrection of Jesus? The Bible tells us that Jesus showed Himself alive by many infallible proofs over the space of 40 days, according to Acts chapter 1, verse 3. When Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the great resurrection chapter, Paul said that Jesus Christ was seen by Cephas, or Peter, by the twelve, by over 500 brethren, and then he said he was seen by James and the other apostles, and then Paul said, and last of all, he was seen by me. There is an abundance of proof. We think about the empty tomb. We talk about the eyewitness testimony. Do you remember in Matthew chapter 28, or rather chapter 27 and 28, because there we have an account of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. When Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to the tomb very early in the morning on the first day of the week, they found an angel. And that angel said to them in the long ago, you're seeking the Christ who was crucified. And here's what he said, he is not here, he's risen. Another account says, why do you seek the living among the dead? Jesus was raised from the dead. Now we talk about the proof of his resurrection. But there's another thing you need to consider, and that is the power of his resurrection. The Bible tells us that he was declared to be the Son of God with power, by the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. When I think about the significance of, of the death and resurrection of Jesus. First and foremost, I understand that without the resurrection of Christ, Christianity would be meaningless. As a matter of fact, when you think about the significance of Christianity, it all hinges on one thing, the resurrection. Did Jesus Christ come forth from the grave? If he did, then he is exactly who he claimed to be. Again, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, here's what Paul said. Look, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, he said, our preaching is vain, our faith is vain. He said, we're still in sin. The bottom line is, if we don't have a resurrected Savior, we have nothing. But listen again to what Paul said, or rather what Jesus said. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. The conquering Christ. Jesus conquered death. And when I think about the fact that Jesus Christ conquered death and the power of His resurrection, first, it affirms His deity. But there's a second thing. Did you know that when Jesus died and was resurrected on Calvary's cross, He dealt a death blow to the devil? In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the promised seed was given. And the Bible tells us that the announcement was made by God concerning the coming of the Messiah. 
And he said that the serpent would bruise his heel. But he said, you shall bruise his head. The bruising of the heel was a reference to the death of Jesus on the cross. The bruising of the head was that death blow that would be dealt to the devil. When? The resurrection. And so in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, here's what the writer said in the long ago. Jesus destroyed him who has the power of death, that is the devil. And so you and I, we take heart in knowing that Jesus Christ has ultimately triumphed over the grave. There's a third thing I want you to see, and that is the commanding Christ. Listen again to Revelation chapter 1, verse 18. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And he said, I have the keys of Hades and of death. Jesus, as I said a moment ago, he holds all the keys. Sometimes in cards, the expression is used, he or she is holding all the cards. When it comes to death and the loss of a loved one, you need to understand that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, holds all the keys. One day, known only to God, He is going to unlock the key, or He's going to take the key and unlock the doors to all the cemeteries, and the dead are going to come forth. When's that going to happen? It's going to happen when he comes again. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that Jesus would descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Let me just pause here for a minute. When I think about death, I have to understand, and we all have to understand, that death is simply the corridor that leads to another dimension, that eternal realm. And at death, there are a couple of things that we ought to consider. First, what's behind us? You see, there's coming a day when Jesus is going to come. And when he comes, we're going to be ushered into a place called heaven. A place unlike anything we've ever seen. There are a lot of beautiful places in this world. And I have no doubt that you have seen some of the summits that our world has to offer. But you have never seen anything like heaven. Peter describes it as a place that is undefiled. He said, it fades not away. It's reserved in heaven for you. Jesus in the long ago said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, but I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again 
and receive you unto myself, that where I am there, you may be also. What's behind us? When it's all said and done and the dust clears, and we're with God one day, what's behind us? First, the sting of death. The sting of death. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul asked the question. He said, Oh, death, where's your, where's your sting? Oh, grave, where's your victory? The sad fact of the matter is the sting of death is a common reality in this world. And until Jesus comes, those of us who belong to the human family, we're going to experience that sting. Paul said, It is appointed unto man once to die, after this cometh the judgment. The sting of death and the separation that comes as a result of death. Common to all people. Let me just ask you to turn with me for a moment to Revelation chapter 21. I would encourage you to mark this in your Bible. Because we ask the question, what's behind us? And here's what John said in the Revelation. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Now listen to him. There shall be no more death. Can you imagine a place free from the power and burden and heartache of death. That's what John's saying here. He's saying that once this world is behind us, we are free from death. We're free from the sting of death. We are free from the separation that comes as a result of death. Because you see, the hard part is when we lose loved ones, when we lose those that we love and appreciate that we spent the better part of our lives with, it hurts. It's hard to say goodbye. What we have to understand is that goodbye is only temporary. So he says, there's no more sting associated with death. No more separations, and then listen to him, no more sorrow. Can you imagine being in a place where never again will you experience human sorrow? He said, there'll be no more crying, no more tears shed. God's going to wipe away every tear. And then he said, there's going to be no more suffering. Listen to him, there shall be no more pain. I wish I could tell you that we lived in a world free of pain and suffering, but we don't. And there are folks in this world that suffer excruciating pain daily. Job said in the long ago, man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. The pain and the heartache and the suffering that we have in this life can literally overwhelm us. And yet what John is saying is, you need to understand, there's coming a day when all of that is going to be behind us. 
then there's a second thing. What's before us? What do we have to look forward to? As a child of God, is there something that we can sink our teeth into, take comfort in? The answer is yes. Look, you can choose to live with Christ or without Him. And there are a lot of people in our world today, they choose to live without Him. And we live in a land of sorrow and suffering and all the problems associated with human life. And quite frankly, I don't know how people live without the Lord. But to live with Christ on a daily basis and to die in Christ, you can't imagine the blessings that are before us. First, could I say, it'll be a place of rest. In this world, in this life, we work, we labor, we toil. We bear the burden of the day. And yet John said in Revelation chapter 14, verse 13, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. Yes, says the Spirit, listen to him, that they may rest from their labors. To be in a place of rest. To be in a place of peace and tranquility. A place of happiness. There's rest. And then rejoicing. In Revelation chapter 19 and verse 7. John said, let us be glad and rejoice. And give him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come. He said, the bride has made herself ready. Can you imagine the happiness that we will feel when we stand on the other side in that place called heaven? When we are in the presence of God, in the presence of the Lord, to be in a place that is free from heartache and trial and tribulation, we're at rest, we're rejoicing. Look, there are things in this life that bring us happiness. And there are things in this life that bring us immense pleasure. And there are times in life when we look back and we think, you know what, I enjoyed that. But to be in heaven and to experience the joy of heaven, incomparable. And there's another thing I would call attention to. When we talk about what's before us, there are going to be some great reunions that take place. You see, there is a dividing line right now. That dividing line is between those of us who are alive and those who are dead. And yet when the Lord comes again, that dividing line will be removed and we will be together forevermore. There are some people that over the course of time I have been privileged to grow very close to. People that I have loved. And there are people that you have loved with every ounce of your being. 
And they're not here today. But because they died in Christ, you know exactly where they are. They're in the presence of God. They're in a place called paradise. They're at rest. And they are rejoicing in their state. And one day, we're going to be together again. I know when we stand at the side of an open grave, we bid goodbye to people we love. It might be a grandparent. It might be a mate. It might be a, a son, a daughter, a brother, a sister, a friend. But I know this. There is coming a day when the people that we have known and loved and respected who died in Christ, we're going to be together again. And the beauty is we're going to be together forevermore. We're never again going to be separated. And then fourthly, I would submit to you there's going to be a time of great remembrances. In Luke 16, when Jesus spoke of Lazarus, and the rich man. He said, Son, remember. Something about precious memories. This past week, one of the funeral services that I had the opportunity to be a part in, I talked about a friend of mine that passed away some years ago. And I remember visiting him in an assisted living place, a hospice unit, I guess we would say. I had been very close to his family, to his brother's family. For some years, he had lived on the Tennessee River after retirement. Because of health reasons and family, he moved back to Memphis. And at this point in time, he was dying of cancer. I remember going into his room, and when I entered his room, what struck me was the fact that nothing was going on. No television, no open book, nothing. He's just sitting in a hospital bed looking around. As we began to talk, we reflected back over his time in Middle Tennessee. Made a statement that's always stuck with me. He said, you know, a fellow can live a long time on good memories. The beauty of heaven is we will be able to sit down and reminisce and think about all those great memories that, that we enjoyed together here on planet Earth. The good times, as we say. I want you to know death is not the end. It's the beginning. The beginning of a new way of life. People don't like to talk about death. They don't like to think about death. They don't like to read about death. But it's a reality. And so as Paul said, to live is Christ. But he said to die is gain. He said to depart and be with Christ is far better. I don't know about you, but I want to go to heaven. 
I don't know about you, but I've said goodbye to far too many people. I've lost some people that can never be replaced. And I know that you've lost some people that can't be replaced. But I want you to know that we know where they are. In Hebrews chapter 11, the writer there talks about those who live by faith. In verse 13, here's what he said, these all died in faith. We live by faith, and hopefully and prayerfully we die in faith. I want to close today by encouraging you to recognize that Jesus Christ was crucified, but he conquered death. And he is the great commander. And one day he's going to come forth. And when he does, he's going to take the keys to all the cemeteries and unlock the doors. And we'll be together forever. Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. Steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love.